Thanks for joining us today. This is Worth the Admission Podcast. My name is B. Frank. And I'm Travis. And today we're going to be talking about Game of Thrones Season 8, Episode 3, The Long Night. The big one. This is uh, this is it. This is what we've been waiting for. I mean, this is the big moment that we've... I mean, for 10 years. Yeah. And it did not disappoint. It really didn't. I was, I was, I was happy. Yeah. I mean, obviously there was the, the issue of not really being able to see much during battle. Oh yes. Everybody seems to have experienced that. Yeah. So before we get started, yes, we know it was dark. We understand it. That is an issue that I think both him and I experienced. We didn't like it either, but we're, we're going to still review this just based off of the, the episode itself. So we're just going to take that out because we know it sucks and people didn't have you know any luck with it. I really hate that the cinematographers just said, it's because your TV, we shot it this way and you had to be watching on this kind of TV, which I didn't think was really fair. I Everybody watches it on something else, so it's kind of unfair. Just make it generic. We're, we're playing pretend here with dragons and <laughs> you know White Walkers. I think you can erase it. You know, just it up a little bit. It doesn't have to be that realistic. But nonetheless, let's get into it because this was. There's a lot to unpack. It's not just, you know, it's not just a regular t- TV episode. This is was it was a full length feature film, almost length. Yes, with so, a full battle, biggest battle at this point that's ever been filmed. Yes, and it clocked in at one hour sixteen minutes from beginning of battle to end of battle. That is a long time. And it used it well. Oh, no, I definitely think it did. And the battle scene was just so well done to me. I just, I think it kept building and building. And I felt that still had a storyline in its own, even for being as massive as it was. I still think the actions that you got throughout just dictated how the, the story went, which was nice. It wasn't just one big sleigh scene and that was it. The other cool thing, too, was that because of the amount of characters that we had to choose from at no point did it feel boring like we we would switch around from Brienne and Jamie to Arya to Bran and Theon to Jon and Daenerys so it it constantly flowed yeah and that's the great thing about this especially on with just a, such a big cast it's it's hard yeah i thought it was going to get lost in the battle sequence because in previous battle sequence, it is so overbearing, and this one was going to be the biggest of them all. I was kind of nice that they took small moments out that there were still talking scenes. It wasn't just full battle, too. I mean, mm-hmm. the scenes with Sansa when she goes down into the chambers, and her and Tyrion have a few words there. That was kind of nice to see and break up just those monotonous moments of just pure death. You know, you still got those humanized moments, and it really pushed the, the story to further along than I thought it would for just that main battle sequence, especially for as long as it was. Overall, I, I really liked the episode. I think uh, I think it was shot well, minus the, the lighting issue. And once I was able to watch it on my TV, a lot of it became clearer. One of the things that I realized watching it the second time, though, was that I was a little upset that we didn't see more definition on the dead. Like, like we did in Hard Home in Season 5, how we actually got to see what they looked like, see how they were moving. But at the same time, I understand, because they, at that point, were supposed to be seen as just a horde of dead. Oh, and they absolutely were. It was just a wall of dead. John and Danny go get ready. And they have, they bring us, I think, the best camera angle 
um, which is above on the cliff, and you you kind of get to watch it. it it's kind of it was kind of surreal watching it, honestly, because Melisandre, the Red Woman, comes through, lights all the Dothraki swords on fire, and which they ride Which is awesome. Out. Yeah, it was really cool, and from the Danny and John's point of view. It looked really cool because you just saw this horde of, of flame. That light just bright in the darkness, which at that time was really awesome because you see that long, long line. And then they take off, which I mm-hmm. thought was really cool. And just all from that perspective. I mean, we got the close-in shots that I thought were awesome. But from where they perched up, I thought was really awesome, even though it didn't quite go as well as it planned. Because a lot of those those a lot of those flames went out real quick as soon as they hit that wall. Yeah. But they did a really good job of building the tense moments, you know, because you couldn't see anything, and though the episode was dark, it was nice in that first moments because it was uncertainty. You didn't know what they looked like. You couldn't see them. You all you heard was just the noise, and it was terrifying. I mean, take everything away. Essentially, this was a zombie movie for an hour and a half or an hour and twenty minutes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it was hordes of the undead. And I liked how they played it. It was very much a Danny Boyle-esque 28 days later, just run and destroy and kill really fast. I mean, a little bit more, I guess, intelligent because they can wield weapons and things like that. But still, that fast-pacedness made that tense scene where you're waiting just for that first wave when they're running towards. What are you going to see? And I thought that just played out really well. Well, and the thing is too is the Dothraki are very loud, so they went they you know they went out there all kind of gung ho in their Dothraki war cry. Yeah, and it slowly gets quieter. The flames go out, and then it's just quiet. And so, from John and Danny's perspective, you get to see like okay, that's where the dead are. You kind of see them clash, and it's kind of disperse, but clash for the most part. And then they all go out. I do think that the Unsullied were very well used. I thought that their formations were really cool too, like protecting the retreat. Oh yeah. In. No, it felt very realistic. I mean, obviously in terms of how they produce, you know, how they, they were stacked, how they defended. I thought, you know, that's what, what makes this such a big scene like this. So intricate and such in detail, like even at different points where they're getting pushed back and everybody was getting attacked at certain angles. You know, you got to see a lot of that battle scene from a good angle. And I thought that's what was really cool. Even when the dragons are flying above and you could slightly see kind of through the clouds, everything laid out and how that battle was. They gave us such cool angles, but that made that detail when you saw formations and how they were attacking, how it was defended, or how the castle was fully laid out. It, it, it's really cool to see. It just makes it feel that more immersed. Like, just that much more detail was spent into it. And the, the first time we ever see the dead, they come in as, an, as like, you know, a four or five body tall wave. Mm-hmm. And at that point, you're like, okay, this is, this is going to be a hell of a battle. And we get a bunch of different perspectives, which is cool. Uh, I think one of the more interesting ones were the crypt. Yes. Because everybody was expecting the crypt to be the safest place. And... Nobody really not. took into consideration one of the Night King's abilities. And it, it ramped up very well. And we kind of got an emotional payoff, or a very emotional moment there toward the end of that. Oh, yes, definitely. What I liked about this war scene is you felt... It's almost like the reverse of the the Avengers, where they felt very hopeful, 
and in this they just got slowly and they it, they just kept getting broken throughout this battle sequence. Even in this first part when the all you know all the lights go out and that that first wave's gone and just a few of them come back, you just realize that that scene, oh we're in way overhead. And then when that first wave hits, you literally feel it's almost overbearing. And the way they shoot that just up so close, it's it's very intense. And as they get further along and get pushed back further and further and they start to retreat now at that point back into the castle and that's after just a short amount of time it's i mean the, the pace of this as big as it was was very quick in that first you know, the five to ten minutes i think part of that too uh part of that bouncing around helped move that story along too because no part of it felt dull and by the time we got back around to each character it was like we hadn't seen them in a while, even if it only had been a couple minutes. Yeah, the rounds. and It's insane. What did you think of the Night King? What did you think of just seeing him and his power? Because he was impressive. It was impressive. He, he was impressive. He was definitely impressive. Although I was hoping that we were going to get a battle between him and John. And, and that was something that we all kind of looked forward to. The producers said that it just didn't feel right because John has won all these battles. It just didn't feel right for him to win this one or to get a chance to try this one. Uh, but they which got I, close, which was really cool. What they did, we'll yeah. talk about later. I just thought was... Re- there was a lot of cool moments, I think, set things up. And that was mm-hmm. one of them that I thought was a really cool... Uh, just something like you don't you don't normally see and how they played that out was he's a bad motherfucker he really is excuse my mm-hmm. language i know family friendly here but how do you feel about sam um i like sam what about during this episode no i don't so think much. he should have been on the battlefield oh no i you're at that point. You're a burden because now someone's trying to save you, which and, and Ed died because of it. Him. He just looked lost. I, just and then he was to, crying there at the end, crying. And the one scene that you see when Jon Snow comes returns to the castle and he's just kind of Sam's just on the ground stabbing. He the looks White back Walker. at him. And he just looks at him and he's just like it's. I don't know if it's a help me, but it's just that a very intense look like. I don't know if he's just into it and it's, fi- you know, his, you know, fight or flight's kind of just kicked in. Because when Ed dies, he runs away from that White Walker. He looks at him yeah. and he's like, I don't want any part of you. And we see him mm-hmm. by the end of the episode, he is just stabbing just for, I mean, at that point, for pure life. I mean, we'll, we're getting a little bit ahead. But Sam, I don't think, this is like to answer your question, Sam, no, Sam didn't deserve to be there. I think he should have been in the crypt because he, he just... He's not a fighter. He's never has been. And I know he wanted to die defending, but it, it didn't need to happen. Yeah. And I think that's going to show up more in the next couple episodes. I did think one of the more, and I'm going to use gratifying with an explanation, death, uh, was Leanna Mormont. And gratifying because she went out like a badass. Oh, my goodness. The little girl. Was she, you know, she's by the by the gates and a giant white comes through and smacks her around. She's like limping and gets back to it and it just crushing her as it picks her up. And then and she just stabs the la- in the eye. And, that last uh, little dagger and just kills it. 
it was cool because I felt out of any death that was probably one of, that like you said that was sad but so satisfying because it showed just the fight that they had just to want to live. If she could well, kill him, if she saved so many people, because he comes in a wreck shop, he starts waving his cane around and kills ten guys right there. That character, Liana's character, was only supposed to be in the very first episode we saw her in. But they saw the girl and her power and, and her presence in the role, and they were like, we can't pass this up. And so they said, if she was going to die, it had to be big. And it went back to a point where she says that one one of the Mormons is worth ten regular men. And she proved that by killing a freaking giant. Which was... So, I mean, that, to me, that was a badass moment. I really... Oh, yeah. That's the way you want to go out. But during all of this battle on the ground, we had a battle in the sky a little bit. Which... Yes. We had John and Danny kind of going up, and they were... They had started, they were doing cover fire, basically, to try and, A, light up some of the territory, and also, B, destroy a bit of a bit of the White Walkers as much as they could. I think the dragons were not used to their full potential. Like, as far as burning the Whites, they should have started at the front. Oh, yeah. They should have started at the front and worked back. And I also don't think that was part of the plan, initially. Like, Danny kind of ran off when the Dothraki were obliterated. I think from that moment the plan hadn't quite gone, but as it was supposed to. But in that, in my, in the defense of the dragon usage, also think when the Night King gets there and he brings that snowstorm over, that's basically blinding. We get to the mm-hmm. point where everybody retreats in and they break and they light. They want to light the trench on fire, and they, yeah. um, Danny can't see to the waving their signal to to have her light the torch or light the trench. So there, I mean. There's a lot of parts where, yes, the dragons couldn't really be utilized because you couldn't see them. And at least that's the yes. way they wanted to be played. So I understood it, I but I wanted more of it. But I think the scenes that we got, like when they're flying over and the Night King shoots that blue that blue flame mm-hmm. up from underneath and the she clouds, barely misses. that was so cool because it, it felt very Godzilla-esque to me, you know, that flame yeah. coming straight up out of the darkness. But I liked it, and I thought the fight scene that him and... Uh, him and John have, or a little bit of the chasing, I thought was really cool too. So yeah, they weren't used as much, but I think we got quality over quantity on that. And, and it was really cool seeing them fight too. And to see the big storm that kind of was up the Night King's sleeve, like John was ready to start burning all those, you know, white generals, if you can call them that. And then the storm just came in. With the Night King and Danny, I think they have, they have that very interesting showdown. Danny kind of gets her chance. Oh yeah, definitely. Because of how powerful he is, and we see that right away. We always end, we 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 oh we never underestimate the dragons. We always think that they're power more powerful to take anything away. And we have them both on the ground. We have Danny blast him with the dragon's breath as hard as she could, and when the the prolific music plays, and we think that there's been success and defeat until there's not. And as the fire fades, we see that the Night King is still standing there. And I have, and that's my gives question. us such the scariest smirk. Yes, I know. I loved it. That's I loved like, it. Such small emotion, but emotion yes. nonetheless. Like, oh, you don't know. It just, it's just tiny human. It was really, it felt like that. And because it was no shot, it was just nonchalant. And that's the thing I loved about who, I don't know who played the Night King. 
the actual actor because a lot of it, part of it was CGI and you got a, a, a lot of actual real life actor in it. Yeah. But he just played so well because he mows over everybody. We, we finally got to see his true power and every trick that he had just shocked and wowed us even more. We get kind of the, the big moment with him is kind of in front of John because Danny gets dead all over the dragon and the dragon has to pop her off so that it can try and and she's out there alone. And then we see Jorah come through and he starts, you know, killing off dead. And while that's going on, we get John who had gotten off of his dragon after the big fight and was chasing after the night King. And we get this moment of kind of pure terror I think. No, is it is pure terror. Come off. No, this scene is pure terror. No, I don't mean to cut you off because I, I literally, like I just said in the last scene, his power is so crazy. Him just walking through everybody and he, as he's getting closer to where Bran is, there's a moment where Jon Snow's running after him and he hears someone behind him and the Night King turns around and it's Jon. And you feel, oh, this is the moment where... He's gonna. Sh- they're gonna throw down. It's not. What he does instead is the last trick that he has up his sleeve, where he raises the dead again. Anybody who was killed in action, he turns them into White Walkers. So now there's this whole new threat, and this was everywhere. Uh, well, like we get with Jamie, we get yes. this pure look of terror from Jamie because, again, nobody had thought about this, and I, I'm not sure John even really explained how that worked. Uh, because we he get we get to see him raising his hands and the the dead start to rise. John obviously starts running after him, and then we pop around to these different vantage points. You get uh, right around Torment, uh, and you can just see his face. You see Jamie's face and the dead coming up, and it's like that was the moment that I was like, okay, this is either going to be an episode that ends bad or good. That was the moment I was like, if the Night King doesn't die this episode then all these people are dead. Oh, absolutely. This was a do-or-die scenario. I mean, but to me, to see them all rise, and Jon Snow realizes it very quickly and starts to run towards him just to try and beat, mm-hmm. just to try and get a shot at him, and he doesn't get close enough. And the, the dead rise, and now Jon Snow is trapped by himself to fend another horde of White Walkers, which was crazy, as the Night King just perceivably walks away. And to me... That's when you really, there was uncertainty because we didn't know what was going to happen. It felt very bleak at that point. And they really make you feel the, the, the defeat, especially really at that moment, everywhere. Yeah. Because the hopelessness. Because they, you know, they got, let's, let's head back a little bit. They've got the trench lit and they had all that done. And then the White Walkers found a way to get through as they, they start to knock down the fence. And then they get up to the wall and then they get over the wall and then utter chaos. And. The chaos that happens inside is truly terrifying. I mean, we get to see Arya a little bit. She gets mm-hmm. to attack um, her first oh, scene. We do get spear. to see her, her spear. Oh. And she gets to drive him back. And I thought the part where she gets trapped and she jumps over everybody and rolls on their backs and lands at the foot of the stairs. Was a badass entire, Arya moment. Yeah. I just thought it was so awesome. And she had a lot of big moments this episode. Oh, yeah. I To <laughs> me, we're at that point now. But when she's down in the library and she's trying to make her way through and she's stealthing and she throws the book and she's just trying to get, just survive because she happens to notice that one's there. 
I that was terrifying to me. That was like out of a horror movie. Well, and the thing too is nobody else character-wise would have been able to pull that off because she knows it. She knows Winterfell. She's familiar with it. She knows exactly where she's heading, and I think that really helped her out because if it, if, it, if it was anybody else, I don't think they would have really had a It chance. would have been a timely demise. She knew where she was going. She just had to get there. And so I think that when Beric kind of came to, to save her, that was a, a great moment because she knew where she was going, but she kind of got overran. And so she comes back through that door with the walker on front of her. I keep saying walker. Uh, with dead on her, uh, Beric comes over. And, and we finally get to see why he was brought back 19 times, which I thought was really cool. He gets stabbed saving Arya a lot to save Arya and the Hound. The Hound, I'm kind of mad at the Hound from this episode, but as soon as he saw Arya, he hopped into action. And so Beric essentially dies, saving both of them. Which and was we touching. see Melisandre, the Red Witch. This is a moment that I, the, I think the first time nobody thought was a big moment, like was a lead up to an even bigger moment. And so she, she says that that was his purpose, basically. He found his purpose, or he has served his purpose, and that was saving Arya. Melisandre in her talk, and Arya says, you told me I'd close a lot of eyes forever. You were right about that. And Melisandre says, green, brown, and blue. And she goes, what do we say to the god of death? And Arya says, not today. And it's, and then we see her turn. She runs past the hound. She runs off somewhere. And this is the part where the, the producers said that they had to build this moment as a moment that didn't seem that big. Because by the time we get to her again, we have forgotten all about her because of how everything has kind of gotten yes. to and so she she runs off and i think this is about the time john is in the courtyard and he's in the basically trying to fend off a dragon yes by not getting burnt yeah that was a very really that was a really cool scene in the way that was shot because i felt the terror when that dragon comes down and oh yeah you just to watch, because I'm looking in my mind like everybody else is, where is he going to hide? And you just see as he retreats that first time to get around the wall. And then the second time where he's down below, you know, as it's just, as he, you see him, he starts to try to attack it. It turns. You just see him make a 180 and just hop over the wall just for cover. This is the point where I was also, as well as I think everybody who was watching it with me, was waiting to see John get burned by the dragon and walk out and just like stab it or something. Because he is a Targaryen. So theoretically, he shouldn't be burned by fire. The last time when he died in season five, they didn't burn his body. So we don't know if that would have worked. And this would have been a good opportunity to see if that would have worked as well. Because, you know, there's a chance he could have gone to Bran and, and all that. But something I still think, I think that was a tease. I think we're going to see him walk out of flames sometime in these next three episodes. Well, we only have but, three episodes left, so I think yeah. there's a big there is a storyline that we have been missing. I don't we've been able to throw it in yet. Is the crypt? We talked about it a little bit, but we had a, we still had moments down in there. Um, I mean, we really had a cool moment, a couple cool moments with with Sansa and Tyrion down there, and I thought in all of the chaos, 
the lightheartedness that kind of came out of that. In the beginning, it was more, she was down on herself. We're down here because we can't do anything else. We're not good at anything else. We That's know the, the bravest thing we can do, do is, is survive. accept the truth. Yep. And I thought that was a really cool moment uh, just because of self-reflection. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was a real, her moment of, her moment of self-reflection in that moment because she didn't really get a big one to ponder in that last episode. So it was kind of nice to see her more dwell on it this time around. And it was nice to see from Tyrion as it's kind of nice to see them back because the scene that where they're talking and, you know, she said he was the best of them, which made me laugh his response because it was just so quick witted. What a terrifying thing to say. Yes. I, I just loved that because you it chuckled so in that moment of terror. Funny. It was it, it just, but it just brought you out for a second and still made you laugh. You know, it still wanted to make you feel something else other than the sheer shock and horror that we were in watching this. Um, and then just the scene towards the end, um, this is kind of catching us all up, is when now we have, you know, we have White Walkers in the crypt and Sansa and Tyrion are hiding behind one of the crypts at the end. It's a basically a little hallway right there and they're hiding behind one of the crypts. We're just... All we, all we see is them and all we hear is the chaos going and on behind back and feet forth. away from them. Yes, and the look that he gives her as he's basically prepared to go out there and fight to protect her. And he holds her and he kisses her hand and just the, the that look in that moment really made you feel something. And, you know, it was, I'm still willing, you know, I'm going to die for you. And it was just that moment that I still care for you and I still, you know, there was something, a, a deeper connection than just what we've got, what we've been able to see this entire time. There really was a true connection to them, not just this, you know, that storyline they had to play. Kind of about this time too, is when we see Jorah and Danny again, Jorah kind of, he, Jorah is defending Danny to the best of his ability, but he is, he is starting to fall. Yes. And once we start to see him, I think, I think the second time he got injured, it's like, okay, he's going to die protecting Danny. It's just a matter of when. if he's going to be able to, to stay them off and keep her alive. Yeah, when she uses that. him and she, uh, you know, the White Walker stabs and she he turns him to block and then she stabs the stabs the White Walker in the neck. She was basically using him as a shield towards the end. Well, no, you know? he was moving. Yeah. He was well, moving. He would, no, he was still her. going, but yeah, she would turn and she would kind of, you know, it was just a sad scene because we've had, you know, that culmination for such a long time, it was still nice to see him going out for her. You know, it yes, just... which is how he would have wanted to. Yes. As well. And obviously we didn't have as many deaths as I think anybody was expecting. So I think they're going to come in the next main character episodes. deaths. There was a ton of death, yeah. just not main, a ton character of death, death, just not main characters. Um, but we get, so we get wonderful music, beautiful, hauntingly oh, beautiful music was brilliant. It's, the title of the song is called The Night King. Look it up on Spotify, YouTube, whatever. And it's it's just, it's beautiful if you listen to it on its own. Um, but we get that and we get, I think, a pure moment between Theon and Bran. Oh. You know, they're, all this music is swelling. You see the White Walkers coming in. You see the Night King heading them. And Theon sees the Night King. And at this point, Bran has come back from working wherever he went. And he says, Theon, you're a good man. Thank you. Because he knows that Theon is about to die for him. Yes. And There's no getting out of it. It's that moment. 
Yeah, and there's the moment of realization, and in in a funny way, you could say that Theon was like, oh, well, I guess now I have to die for you. But in the moment of just pureness. Well, remember earlier in the episode, too, they have a slight interaction that we get a quick moment for, where Theon tries to apologize to Bran, and he stops him. And he says, the things that you did made made you who you are and brought you back to here brought you back home and you could just see the sense of pride and that's what made what you know this that's what made that death scene so i think a lot more touching is even though that buildup was so small in all of the chaos it still meant something you know it was very raw and it felt very real so when we get to the point where theon i think goes out in you know the most i think it was a really cool warrior way you know, yeah, like he's it, still he shot. knew it wasn't going. He knew he wasn't going to kill the Night King. Like he he knew he wasn't going to be able to kill the Night King. So but, he's like, "Let me just kind of do what I can." Honestly, it saved enough time for our surprise guest, Arya fucking Stark, to roll in and jump assassin style behind the Night King. My favorite scene is just. One of the the star, you know, one of the dead, you know, the higher ups. The wind. The wind just blow by his hair and just kick up and the look, and you're like, wait, and then you just you just see her MJ jumping jump towards the, the free throw line, and he and turns just... around and grabs her by the throat, and she drops the dagger in the in just the best assassin move possible. Drops it, catches it, and stabs him. Funny enough, in the chest where he originally was stabbed with Dragonglass to become the Night King. In that exact same spot. So dope. So good. He shatters. There's this moment of pure disbelief, I think, in everybody. I think that minute, that or that, that second lasted forever for a lot of people. And then the dead start to fall. All the White Walkers shatter. And that is seemingly the end of the White Walkers. I will say... When she jumps and he catches her, I'm like, oh, no. I was like, like, no. Yep. And then you see the drop and you're like, oh. And as soon as you drop, you you knew. And you're like, that's just really awesome. That mm-hmm. You don't get many cool freak out TV show moments anymore. I mean, everything builds towards something. But this was really, I mean, this was almost like Avengers, like jump out your seat. Like, oh, my goodness. Like, it was you one of those expected, like shock. Yeah. Which, you like always you expected John to be the one to kill him. Yeah. And the the fact that it was Arya at this point is no longer surprising. Like, it makes sense. I'm glad it was her as well. Although I do still have my theory that there will always have to be a leader of the White Walkers. So I th- originally my theory was whoever kills the Night King becomes the new Night King. You're like, I guess apparently not. But we still I have... I still to- think we're not done with them completely. But I think the main part of the story is is over. I thought the relief was nice. And just the wrap-up that we got of those characters at the end of the episode, it wasn't just, hey, we killed him. Tune in next week to see the fallout. I mean, we're going to get mm-hmm. more of that next week. But it was kind of nice to have the, the tie-up scenes for the battle and just that relief of it's over. You know, it was that disbelief, but almost that we won. And I such a cool payoff. When, and that that's the thing too is imagine being out in the battlefield and you're you're fighting all this and they all drop and you're like okay the night king is dead like it is a moment of disbelief and next week just is like there's so much like a regular episode yeah but I, you know i know it's not going to be but i just think 
I, I, we don't know. There's so much uncertainty because there's so many players left. We didn't think after this battle sequence we were going to have this many players. And I'm pretty sure now a lot of them are going to stick around to this final episode. I don't think you can go through all that and then just die them, you know, kill them off unceremoniously, unceremoniously you know, just in the next episode go, eh, but this killed you. I think it's going to yeah. have to be something a lot more honorable. Yeah. Like I think because now you're honoring those characters that were able to make it through the Battle of Winterfell. So I just think I'm interested to see, but there's just so many questions. And now we go back to speculating of what's going to happen because we all don't know. But yeah, it's. I mean, this was a great episode. Oh yeah, I'm. There's a chance I'll watch it again before episode four comes out. I mean, for between, a third time. We got to think between Endgame and this. That's just four, almost four and a half hours right there. Of, <laughs> I mean, that's grade A quality. Oh yeah. I mean, we're not. Which, talking... by the way, if you haven't seen Avengers Endgame, go see Avengers Endgame, and do not spoil the Endgame. I mean, we, uh, we're going to be talking about it. Don't worry. Fear not. And the end game review is coming. I think it's going to be a little bit though. We're going to try and do it together. Um, and we're just going to drop it whenever we, we feel like it or whenever we record it together in person next month or this month, technically. But yeah, this is a, this was a good weekend. This is a good weekend for just create, you know, really good quality stuff. Um, you know, movies mm-hmm. and stuff wide, but for TV, there's not, there's not been a moment like this. Yes, you we get finales and big moments, but in a battle sequence and something that's major than just a scene of wrapping up a storyline. Like you knew that this moment would eventually come ten years ago, but you never thought it would get here now. Yeah, and we're past, and it feels weird because it almost feels like when like you, any fan watching this, you feel like we just have to move on now. You know, it, it really feels like that. And I think that's the way it's going to be portrayed in the show is it's just, okay, where do we go from here? We have to acknowledge that this happened, but we also have to move on past what happened. And that's, and I think that makes the challenge because you have, to, you have such a big episode like this. A lot of times you have letdowns the week after because everybody's expecting that same kind of quality. I'm not saying Game of Thrones can't do it, but I'm interested to see... I would like to see them use their words and their scenes this this episode. Don't make it a and big another battle hour sequence. Twenty two, but give me that. But tell me so much more of the story. Really start honing us in because out of everything, we have two episodes left. You know, after next week, and we got to start shaping this. And I think this is going to be another big shaped episode. But that's I. That's what I want. I want a big character development episode where it's going to make us really care and stick around. And not be bored by the fact that it, we didn't have another hour and 15, 16 minute battle scene. Well, with that being said, my name is B. Frank. And I'm Travis. And we are worth the admission. Take care. Don't spoil the end game.